Welcome to the Leader Manager Coach Podcast, where we share knowledge, philosophies, wisdom, and insight to help you on your journey in both sport and life. Introducing your host, Rob Riles. Hello and welcome along. Welcome to another edition of the Leader Manager Coach Podcast. It's Rob Riles welcoming you along. If you're a first-time listener, then a very, very warm welcome. If you're one of our regulars, then of course, welcome along. And I really hope you get some fantastic value out of um, today's episode. Now, today is episode number four in the series, Eknath Yaswaran's Words to Live By. And this is episode four, which is from April. So we are doing 12 episodes of Eknath's wonderful wisdom. And here is episode four, which we're going to share. And I've picked out a number of points that I feel are really worthy of discussion and can really add some value to your practice, your work, and your life, whatever field that is in leading, managing, and coaching. So here we go from Eknathi Aswan. Number one, remember that every single individual, and I, and I use this, I bought this out because obviously in leading, managing, and coaching, often we're looking at teams. And I think we have to remember that teams are basically made up of individuals. And no matter how much we want unity and we strive for unity and we create unity and we facilitate unity, which is what is necessary for things to be successful, we have to get the individual parts to work together. Ultimately, at the base level, everybody is an individual. And every single person, every component part, every person, every individual has to walk their own path. They have to find their own way. And people are rarely at the same place at the same time. And I do, and I think that that's what's so amazing at times about how, how fantastic it is to get people to work together and to produce results and create things because that unity is not easy to achieve. As we know, if you are a coach, you will completely understand where I'm coming from and the rare occasions the, the the fantastic occasions when you get the people you've been working with together in, in a, a synchronous organization to come together and just click which may or may not be to do with you but it happens it's a wonderful experience but you have to remember because it takes away lots of frustration that every person is an individual and is dealing with their own path and are walking on their own journey. Okay, next one. I've talked about this many times and Eknath talks about it. Always consider that you know nothing. The minute you think you know something, then you essentially wall off the possibility of learning anything else, even if it's an adjustment, even if it's a slight change to that thought process or that knowledge. So be that eternal student. Always believe, always think that there is something else that you can learn to make the situation a little bit better. 
I think that's so true. It's a dangerous game to play to think that you've arrived. A very, very dangerous game indeed. So always be that eternal student and pass that on. Or work to pass that on to the people that you work with and those you believe in and those you're trying to get together to create success for them and help them. Okay, next one. Never underestimate, I've said this before, never underestimate the power of small things. You know, there's, some people say there's no such thing as a small thing. And I, I know exactly what they're talking about. How many loose, loose bolts, nuts or screws does it take for a racing car to be unsuccessful? and to, for it to cost a championship and to cost millions of dollars or millions of pounds. How many small stones does it take to hit a windscreen and crack it so that a journey comes to an end? How many stones in your shoe does it take before you have to stop and then you lose the race? How many times does your shoelace have to come undone before it becomes a problem? How many mosquitoes does it take in your room to irritate you at nighttime? There are really no such things as small things. You know, how much, how much volume does our eye take up in our body? Yet the loss of an eye would be a tremendous change in life. There are no such things as small things. You know, it would take a a thrombus, a piece of plaque, a small amount of tissue, smaller, many times smaller than your nail on your little finger to block an artery on the way to your heart that would end your physical life. You know, there really are no such things as small things. And I make no apologies for maybe talking about things that you consider morbid, but I'm just trying to illustrate the point. You know, the great coach, the guy who was considered coach of the century, John Wooden, he used to actually spend the, one of the first training sessions with his basketball team teaching them and coaching them how to put on their socks correctly and how to tie their shoelaces on their court shoes so they didn't come undone. That is attention to detail. That is ensuring as far as possible that little things do not get in the way so little things matter next one understand the power of routine or ritual i believe that the founder and ceo of apple steve jobs somebody was somebody who virtually had the same routine every day he wore the same colored clothes the same type of clothes maybe the same clothes for a couple of days i don't know but he had the same clothes he didn't vary he did the same things and the reason when asked that he did this was that his mind and the time that he spent using his mind was too precious to be spent on making decisions about such small things as what clothes he was to wear that day so he just chose the same clothes the same colors and had them in his closet, wardrobe, whatever it was, and he just wore them day after day. He didn't concern himself with things that he considered to be trite or not important. And it's a great lesson for all of us. It, it links to the 80-20 rule. 
80% of your results come from doing 20% of your things. And if you focus on those 20%, you'll get 80% of your results. And if you can set up routines that allow you to focus on that 20% so that you do not get pulled off your path, so that when you get up in the morning, you know you do A, you do B, you do C, whether you do a meditation, whether you do a, a physical exercise program, then you do some study or then you do your breakfast or then you do your shower or your shave or your self-care or whatever it is before you go off to your place of work and when you get to your work what do you do then or do you arrive do you get up and think right what am I going to do today and then you arrive at work and people call you and people email you and you check your social media and then your players come in and before long you've got an hour and a half that's taken off your day and you haven't actually achieved anything that you would have benefited from because you haven't set your stall out. Now, if you ritualize things and routine things and put things in place to create that as far as possible, you know, nothing is perfect and things get disrupted. Of course they do, but it's a much better way. It takes away the conscious thought and you just put in place practices that become habits and they're based on real good practice that you know gives you results. So don't underestimate the power of routine and ritual. It's really powerful. The Leader Manager Coach podcast is available via the Leader Manager Coach app. Download it now to access the rich resource of unique, insightful, and educational material to help you on your own journey in football, sport, and life. Leader Manager Coach for the game, for life. Available now on Google Play and Apple App Store. Next one from Eknath, connection. You know, there's, if you look at the great coaches, the great managers, and particularly if you listen to the players or the people who've been under them, worked under them, played under them, they will have a special affinity for a lot of those people even if those people were considered to be aloof or they were frightened of them, they had a fear of them because they had a connection with them. And there's a great phrase that goes something along the lines of people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. You can bang on all day, you can batter on all day, you can tip water into a bucket as long as you like. But if that bucket is full or the entrance to that bucket that, that is covered up with something you're just wasting your time you are not getting any any results for your effort whereas if you have a relationship with somebody and you've spent time getting to know somebody and you develop a trust with a person one of your players one of your staff somebody you work with you develop that relationship and you create a trust because you do things that are valuable and you show an interest in them and you you know you act in the way that we all know we want to be treated then that is what opens up the gate that they are the things that open up somebody's heart for them to actually believe that you are somebody that a are worth following or worth listening to and they actually want to be coached by you it's it's one of those things that people can turn up they can go through the drills, they can go through the basics, they can go through the motions. But if in their heart, 
They have not bought into the process and they certainly haven't bought into you as a person, as their leader, then you are not going to achieve what you want to achieve. You're not going to inspire them in the way that you could if they had bought into you as a person. So what maybe do you need to do to increase the level of connection with the people that you work with and those you facilitate? Next one. It's a good one to lead on to. Eknath talks about the power of patience. I was reading the uh, this this last week about how long the evolutionary process has taken. And sometimes reading back and looking back in history, it just helps to understand what's going on at the present. Then there's some I can't recommend reading enough. I've said it many times. You look back and you look at the many thousands of years absolutely thousands of years into millions of years that things have been evolving as far as we know and how long it takes for things to change and yet in our current status in our 21st century we are used to things happening so much more quickly and we we get frustrated and we try to make things and we try to force things to happen on a, on a scale, a time scale, faster than they're able to. And we get frustrated. Things take time. People take time. Yes, we all want results. Of course we want results. The world wants results. It's what it's all about. There's this constant pull for results. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. But I do believe that it's better to temper that anxiety we get and that frustration by understanding how powerful patience is and to work in a time frame that's realistic i'm not saying don't set goals of course goals are important and it's good to stretch ourselves and they say you know aim for the eagle bag the pheasant but don't eat crow so don't hit set a goal that's so low it's embarrassing Sometimes when, when players, for example, you've got a player who's not in a good place, they don't need a high goal. They need a, a low goal. Just get them to understand that they can do a simple thing and do it well. And then a little baby step the next day and a little baby step the next day and a little baby step the next day. That is patience. You know, grass grows at a certain rate. Trees grow at a certain rate. Babies grow in the womb at a certain rate. We can't speed that up. It's nature, it happens at a certain time, yet when it comes to human beings in our, in our world, in our coaching, in our sport, we think we can speed things up. It's not necessarily true. We have to work in the time frames within which the reality tells us that this is what it's gonna take. So be patient, particularly with young people. And that again leads us on to the next one. I hear a lot about positive thinking and being positive and not being negative, which is a great a great way to be. It's nothing like being around somebody who is constantly complaining and moaning. Sometimes they're so negative that it's actually funny and it's positive. But we've all been there and we all do it and we've all done it and we've we can all be complainers if we're not careful and we're not aware. But Murphy's Law says that if something can go wrong, it will go wrong. And unless you've just 
arrived on this planet, you will realize that life is challenging, life is difficult, success is difficult, achievement, winning games is difficult, getting players to be really good is difficult, managing yourself, getting to work, all the things that we have to deal with are challenging. So the Stoics remind us that it's better to be realistically positive than be in this romantic world where everything is perfect. Look, there are tragedies in life. There are absolutely real difficulties that come along. There are some chal challenging things that will affect us in our lives. Personal things, emotional things, family things, work things, disappointments, losses, massive things, health challenges, things that fundamentally change us as people and change the people we all work with. But that doesn't stop us being positive. We can have both at the same time. We can be learn to be realistic, set the right goals, understand where we need to be looking and be positive at the same time. There's, there's a difference between being negative and being realistic. And it's, it is, I believe, that, that the best way to be rather than be Pollyanna-ish and, and not understanding that things have to be addressed. That's like putting your head in the sand a little bit. Next one. And I really love this. Somebody said to me, a wise person said to me once, the greatest question we can ask when we're in a position of leadership is how may I serve? How may I serve? How can I serve you as your leader? We have this vision if we're not careful because often and I'll hold my hand up and say I'm, I'm pretty sure that I can remember having those thought processes that I want to be a leader because everybody will you know everybody will look up to you and you'll have a nice office and you'll have status and all the things that go with that and the financial packages that go with that so that you know you're, you're elevated to this level where people will will, will you know will respect you and so on and you'll have power well the greatest leaders are the greatest servers and in order to be the best leader you can be the best coach the best manager you have to learn to serve other people you're there not for your benefit for their benefit if you think that you you want to be the best coach the best manager the best leader so that you can have all the trappings that go with that but you are not concerned with the process of getting there which is a a service approach which is helping the most players getting the best out of your players helping your players to be the best they can be coaching them managing the situation organizing all the things that go into being a leader a manager and a coach then there needs to be an adjustment of how you see because you have to serve your people, your players. You have to do what's in their best interests so that that will automatically, by default, get you what it is that you want. You know, the great one of the great mentors that uh, I talk about or was the inspiration behind leader, manager, coach is Bill Shankly. And um, strange talking about Pill Shankly when we're talking about somebody like Eknathi Aswaran, but Shanks, one of Shanks's things was 
he loved the people. He used to say, I love the people and I do it for the people. And he had a genuine resonance when he said that. It wasn't something he made up, it came from him. Yes, he loved his football. Yes, he had a passion about managing and football, but he, he did it for the clubs that he was at. And obviously, particularly at Liverpool, where he was probably the most successful in his career. So we have to serve. Next one, and this is very much linked to Eknath Yaswaran's philosophy. He is very much into meditation and whether you have a meditation practice or you don't. This is, although I think meditation is ultimately powerful and I would recommend you take a look into it and try and find a, a way to discover how it can benefit you. With your players, even if it's not a meditation practice, help them and guide them to find some quiet time in your presence when you have them, even if it's a short period of time or four or five minutes, where they can relax, where they can feel happy, where they can feel good. Maybe after training, maybe before training, if you have the benefit of an environment where they can relax and you can get them to be quiet and concentrate on what it is that you want them to do, get them into a good state of mind, help them to learn how to control their thoughts so that they can focus on what it is that they're here to do, their coaching, their training, their physical exercise, their psychological exercise, their tactical work, whatever it is. But quiet and meditation are powerful, powerful tools for us to use. And one of the things we can do is to utilize our environments and our time with people to introduce them to practices like that that have such a profound effect on performance. And talking about profound effects on performance, we have to remember that our influence, our ability to influence, which is what we're always trying to improve, how much we can influence something, is often limited by other factors. Remember that with as I said before, with people, with players, there are so many other things that are influencing and so many things that we don't understand and often are unaware of. So again, be patient and don't beat yourself up. And you may have to dig and find some, some knowledge or some information around it if you're not quite getting the results that you want. Because the, the amount of influence you have may be one, two, three, four, five percent over somebody or, or a situation. And you know, once that game's going on and those players step over that white line, how much influence you have is even less. So always remember that because I still see people getting frustrated, still see people trying to control things that they cannot control because it, the things they're trying to control are outside their sphere of influence. So remember what it is that's in your influential control because if it's outside you're wasting your time you really are next one how good how good are you at controlling your focus of attention because as good as you are at controlling your focus of attention that will be the level is highly likely to be the level, the, the, the maximum level that the people under your influence are 
able to control their level of attention. And the level of focus, the level of control over your focus and attention will have a massive impact on how successful you are as a coach. Because you can only influence if, if you have the attention and the focus of those you are trying to influence. If they are not centered, if they are not, do not have the attention on where it should be on the tactics, on the session, on the exercises, on the buy-in, on the team spirit, at the time, then your level of influence and the efficiency of the time you spend will be drastically watered down. It's a challenging thing to do. How many times have we found ourselves at a training session, at a meeting, going somewhere and our mind is somewhere else? We have to understand and we have to remind ourselves and we have to keep coming back that our minds are ultimately powerful and whatever it is we put our mind on and we get into the presence of being in the present and putting our mind on the training session we're doing, on the planning we're doing now, on the meeting we're having now, on the person who's in front of us, that is where our power lies in the now and having our attention in the now. Yes, knowing that later on we're going to be doing this and that and the other, but parking that and having our immediate focus of attention right here and right now. And that brings us to the very last one. And the last one that Eknath talks about is allow yourself to be open to your own intuition. You know, we all have those those feelings sometimes and, and that pull and, and those, those, those influencing thoughts that seem to come from nowhere that people call intuition. It's like, it's not logical. It doesn't always seem obvious. It doesn't seem to come from a, any scientific data. We just have a gut feeling about something. The more you allow yourself, Eknath says, to tune into that and the more you allow yourself to trust that the, the, the more that will come through and the better will be your decision-making then the easier will be your decision-making. How often have you found yourself ignoring that and fighting that and going against that because the data in front of us seems to be cross-piece to that? And then later on we think, I really knew that, but it just didn't seem right. Well, if we can learn to trust our intuition, it means we're in tune with ourselves. We're probably being more present and we're probably being more accurate with our thought processes. And once we start to allow that and trust that, we do open up a great reservoir of, of power that we can draw upon that gives us that great confidence that we can make decisions backed up by this intuition. So that's Eknath Yaswaran's Words to Live By, episode four. There's an absolute bucket load of things to go off uh, there and uh, he puts them in a great way. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you get some value out of it and I hope he helps you on your path. All right, don't forget, tune in. Um, it's all on the app and um, let me know what you think. All right, catch you later. Bye-bye.